My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, hey guys. A little bit of a different scene right now, uh, but just to give you a heads up, there was one button I forgot to push in this morning's Sunday School class that kept us from live streaming to Facebook this morning. And the button was publish. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, I had such fun this morning teaching the lesson that I didn't want this one to slip by. And for those that weren't able to attend this morning or for those who typically listen uh, remotely, I wanted to make sure that I circled back and covered what we talked about this morning. So uh, if you got your Bibles handy, let's go to Philippians chapter three. Uh, just to give you a, a bit of a, a big picture of where we are, where we might be going, I talked this morning about uh, what our next book might be after we finish Philippians. Uh, I did some sketching out, so if you go to OurSundaySchool.com, that's OurSundaySchool.com, uh, and click on the Study tab, but what you'll see is a maybe-ish uh, schedule of where we might be the next few months. And it looks like we might finish Philippians toward the end of August. So just FYI, uh, I'm leaning a little towards uh, the other prison epistles. So Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians. Uh, I did Galatians back in 2013, but we, we only took 20 weeks doing it, right? So that was just flying through. So we'll, uh, we may end up doing that. And we, if we do that, then we'll probably spend about five-ish Lord willing, years in uh, the prison epistles, which I was joking with uh, Miss Johnson at lunch today, was actually longer than Paul spent in prison. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But uh, if you got your Bibles, we're in uh, Philippians chapter 3, and uh, I'll read the text for us, and then we'll jump in and take a look at uh, verses 12 through 14 today. Philippians 3. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh, although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. Uh, regarding the law, a Pharisee. Regarding zeal, persecuting the church. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that I have but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection among the dead. Not that I have already taken 
not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example <coughs> you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So then, my dearly loved and longed-for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. So if you've got your green books, uh, we're on page 50 in the green book, so that's 5-0. Uh, and page 50 starts off with a look at the Greek text. And really the only thing I want to point out here is that uh, in the Greek New Testament, the way the NA28 is formatted, verses 12 through, 15, 12 through 16 rather, form a paragraph, uh, 17 through 21 form a paragraph, and then uh, chapter 4 verse 1 is its own paragraph. But in the Christian Standard Bible, the Bible that we're using as our text, this whole uh, 312 through 41 is one pericope, one kind of thought, cohesive thought process that the, uh, the CSB is uh, reaching, that the CSB is encapsulated here, and they've titled it Reaching Forward to God's Goal. So if we look at the bottom of page 52 in the Green Book, uh, you'll notice Paul starts out with the word not. And usually when a sentence or a paragraph begins with the word not, uh, it can be contrasting something. But what Paul is doing here is he's articulating a potential misunderstanding about what he just taught about. So Paul wants to draw a really bright line between uh, justification, this is the declared righteousness of God uh, toward a sinner. Uh, he's drawing a, a bright line between are we justified by what we do? Or are we justified by what Christ has done for us? And Paul's view is that we're justified by what Christ has done for us. And as long as we understand that Paul's going to move into a sanctification space when he's talking about the work that we do, which is in response to what Christ has done for us and the salvation that the Father provides, that we understand that, that the works part comes after the repentance and faith. So we have repentance and faith, then there's work, then there's glorification. So justification, sanctification, glorification. We're firmly in the sanctification space in this part of the text. Of Philippians. So, uh, not that I have already reached, uh, and you'll notice in the, on, I'm on page 53 now in the green book, about halfway down, you'll notice there's no Greek words after the English words goal. Those are supplied by the translator to kind of help smooth out the English. Uh, Paul gets into a rhythm here where he starts to leave out words that he's referencing, and sometimes it can get a little wonky as to what he's actually talking about, but it's, 
it's overall clear from the larger perspective what he's talking about. So not that I've already reached uh, or am already perfect. Uh, I, I don't write uh, LOL in my notes very often, but the English word perfect is uh, based on the loosely the Greek word uh, telos, is uh, perfection. And, uh, and this is in the perfect tense. So this word perfect is perfect. It's just, there we go, fun stuff. Uh, but our green books, uh, back on page 11, kind of give us a decoder ring to some of these uh, tenses. And the perfect tense is completed action uh, in the past with the effects felt in the present. So Paul's saying here is that I, I am not been made perfect in the past and perfect right now. Uh, remember, this is Paul's writing this toward the end of his life. He's looking back. He's recounting several things. He's already given them earlier in chapter 3 a you know his cv of sorts and uh he's looking back and says i'm I, i'm not perfect right uh not uh, we'll start back again with verse 12 not that i have already reached the goal or am already perfect so an idea here this word for perfect is to complete or to finish or to make perfect uh, so an application that you could think about on page 53 is while on earth we are not finished and we, like, we can all resonate with that, right? Like we are not finished Christians. We don't look like Jesus Christ 100% right now. Um, so application number one, while on earth we are not finished. So what do we do with that? Be finishable. I don't know if that's a word, but it sounds really good. And it fits really nicely right here. So be finishable. Um, let the Spirit and ask the Spirit work in and through us to make us more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is what we're going to be conformed to. Uh, so not that I have reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but top of page 54, I make every effort. I make every effort. Now this word effort is an interesting word because it shows up quite a few times in the New Testament. Uh, probably my favorite time that it shows up in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 9. So I'll read a couple of verses for you here real quick. So Acts chapter 9 verses 4 and 5. And be listening for the word that means to make a lot of effort. So Acts chapter 9, this is the Damascus Road experience. This is Paul's conversion. Uh, so verse 4, falling to the ground, he, this is Paul, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Jesus, the one you were persecuting, he replied. So what's the word in there that's repeated twice? That sounds like make a lot of effort. It's the word persecute. Now, I don't think it's any accident that Paul uses this particular word. This, has been a, this would have been a significant word to him uh, because this was the sentence, the first sentence that our Lord Jesus Christ spoke to Paul. This was an important question that he asked. So he's going to draw from one of those words and he's going to put it back here. And he says, I make every effort. And when we think about persecution, we think about somebody who's making a ton of effort to aggressively go after or accomplish something. And that's exactly what this word is. This is not a, well, I tried kind of hard and it didn't work out or it did and that's great. No, no, no. This is, this is we're all in. We are, we are to the level of uh, passion and enthusiasm and action towards something that it could be described as persecution. So when he says, I make every effort, it's not just I tried hard, it's I'm doing everything I can do in this space. So I make every effort to take hold. Now this take hold is a um, uh, subjunctive. Uh, and back on page 11 in the green book again, I asked this question this morning and nobody knew the answer. So we went back and did a little review of page 11. 
uh, down at the bottom of the page uh, are the moods. And you can think about the mood as the uh, emotional tone or the, the confidence level of the verb almost. Um, so an indicative is a statement of fact from the perspective of the speaker. So if I say, my name is Jim, I'm saying that is a statement of fact. Uh, it's sort of true. Uh, if I say, uh, I want to have, I plan to have a good dinner tonight. Well, cool. I, I do plan to eat and I don't think it'll be Taco Bell. So yeah, we'll, we'll have a good dinner tonight. Uh, that's the subjunctive mood. That's the, this is the, possibility or probability. This is, it's got a pretty good likelihood of occurring, but it is not a statement of fact because it hasn't already happened. It's not in the past. It's, uh, it's just a, it's a pretty good possibility it's going to happen. The next one down there on page 11 is the optative. And this is, I'd like to win the lottery tonight. Well, okay. So we're like our, our confidence in this, uh, sentence is dropping precipitously at this point. So indicative, Fully believe this is a true statement. Subjunctive, like, yeah, it's, it's probably going to happen. And then optative, remote possibility. So what Paul is saying here is he says, I take, I make every effort, I'm persecuting passion level, to take hold of. Like, this is in the subjunctive mood, which means this is not a guaranteed thing that Paul is able to do, but boy, he wants this to be a possibility. He sees this as a possibility. So a couple of, a couple of uh, takeaways here. So application number one at the bottom of page 54, uh, sanctification is work. Like our justification is not work on our part. Christ has done the work on our part for justification, but sanctification is work. Being like Jesus Christ is work. This takes effort. So what do we do with that? Get to work, right? Our personalization is get to work. Now, remembering that our work is a response to God's justification our work is not adding to God's justification. Our work is evidence of God's justification. And we want to be faithful servants, and faithful servants get to work. So let's get to work. It's good. Uh, so I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of. So at the top of page 55, I've been taken hold of. So this is a passive, which means the action is being worked on to the subject. So somebody is taking hold of Paul. wonder who that could be. Uh, and this is an indicative. So he moves from the subjunctive of he is taking hold of Christ to the indicative of Christ is taking hold of Paul. So I want you to see the confidence level that Paul has in his own self, subjunctive, a little iffy, to the confidence that Paul has in Christ holding him, indicative. So... The grammar is good. The grammar is our friend. The grammar is helpful. Uh, so our Lord Jesus Christ, here's your application at the bottom of page uh, 55. Our Lord Jesus Christ has his own. If you are Christ, if you are in Christ, you are his forever. Nothing you do, nothing anyone else can do can take you out of his hand. The Father has you in Christ and the Spirit seals that relationship until the day of Christ, where we will be with Christ. It is wonderfully imbalanced in our favor. It is a beautiful, beautiful relationship. So I want you to see Paul's passion here and his firm belief of how firmly rooted he is in Christ. So our Lord Jesus Christ has his own. So what do we do with that? Rest in his grip. Now you may be thinking, well, Jim, just on the previous page, you said get to work. Yes. That's exactly right. 
but we're not working for our salvation. We're working because of our salvation. Big, big, big difference. So here we're resting in the finished work of Christ. So rest in his grip. And quite frankly, this is just an encouragement to get off of the treadmill of moralism. So if you, if you think your good works are going to save you, they will not. And it will do nothing but frustrate and exhaust you. If you, if you want to become a bitter person, believe in salvation by works. If you want to become a paranoid person, believe in salvation by works. Because you'll always be paranoid. Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And eventually you'll become bitter that, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, do, like I, I need to have a standard. Like what, how much is enough? It's very frustrating. So just don't do it. Rest in his grip. He's got you. If you are a Christian, he's got you. So I know that I've been taken hold of uh, by Christ Jesus. So this is not anybody else that's doing this work. Christ is doing this work. Then on page 56, brothers and sisters, and the sisters are added here because this is not a, uh, a direction that's given exclusively to men. This is a direction that's given exclusively to those that are in Christ. So brothers and sisters, I do not consider, this is the Greek word legizomai, this is to take into inventory or estimate um, so I do not consider, remember, Paul's at the end of his life, so he's looking back to see what his life has done. And we all have things that we look back in our lives and go, boy, I wish I hadn't have done that, or I wish I'd done it a different way, or I wish I'd done it a different tone, or I wish I'd just not done it at all, or I wish I'd had done this thing. And what we know about Paul's life is that we know for sure there are things he wished he had not done. He he just articulated a few earlier in the, the previous pericope, right? Uh, regarding zeal, a persecutor of the church. Well, he would love to be able to take that back, but that's not what you get to do, right? We live linear lives and they only move forward. So brothers and sisters, I do not consider, I, when I take this inventory of my life, when I look back, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. And that's good because... An application here is our salvation is not ours to accomplish, right? I, we don't and we can't. We, it's not even possible for us to be holy enough to cover our own sin. As soon as we sin, we've, like, we've fallen short. And oh, by the way, you're born with a sin nature. I'm born with a sin nature. Fall short, right? So our, our salvation is not ours to accomplish. So what do we do with that? And as Zeke uh, so wonderfully and enthusiastically uh, told us this morning, we rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to earn your salvation? I am thankful I don't have to earn my salvation. And it doesn't stop there because if you go to the top of page 57 in your green book, uh, it says, but. Now, you but it's a transition word. It's a contrast from what's come before. Uh, and I've got a little note here. It says, uh, Paul is not driven to inaction because works do not save. Now, there's some people who say, well, Christ has justified me. I've been, I've been justified by God. So what, do, like, what else do I need to do? It's just kick back and everything's great, right? No. No. We, we are to live lives that show that are evidence of the justification that's occurred. Justification occurs, and that just, like, now it's time to go serve our Lord. He is our Lord. He is our master. He is our, 
our King of Kings and Lord. I mean, this is, we get to go serve now. So this is not just because salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. This does not tell us then to, well, there's nothing else for us to do. It's like, no, 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 no. But one thing I do, one thing I do, and I think I've mentioned it this morning, it's kind of funny that Paul then lists two things, right? Forgetting what's behind and uh, stretching out and reaching toward what's ahead. Uh, so in, in Paul's mind, those things are, are basically the same. It's, it's one thing kind of wrapped up in two components. Uh, so this one thing I do, so application at the bottom of this uh, page here, page 57, there is work to be done, right? And if it, if it sounds like I'm yo-yoing back and forth because the, the, uh, uh, the personalization at the bottom of page 54 was get to work, the personalization at the bottom of page 55 was rest in his grip, the personalization at the bottom of page 57 is get to work. <laughs> Paul is adding lots and lots and lots of constraints around what good theology looks like so that we rightly understand justification is by grace through faith. Sanctification is through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. This is where we work and we work and we work and we work and we work, not to accomplish our salvation, but to evidence it. And then glorification is at the end when we are with Christ forever and always. So there is work to be done, bottom of page 57. Uh, and again, but this is within the framework of salvation by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And our personalization here is get to work, forgetting. I mean, like, what do you mean forgetting? I mean, forgetting. It's, it means to neglect or to stop thinking about this thing. Forgetting what is behind. Anybody else wish they could forget some of the things in their life that they've done or not done or not done well or just done really poorly? Paul says, forget what's behind. Because that, like, how's that going to help us? It's not going to help us there. So forget what's behind. And then the second half of this is reaching forward. Reaching forward. Now, this word uh, only shows up here in the New Testament. Uh, so whenever we have a word that only shows up in the New Testament, uh, one of my favorite resources is the BDAG, uh, the, this ginormous book. Um, I'm nervous I'm going to drop it one day, but sorry. It'll probably be fine because it's so big. Uh, but the definition in BDAG is a little more robust than what's here in uh, Strong's. So it, BDAG says to exert oneself to the uttermost, to stretch or to strain. To stretch or to strain. So this idea is to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach as far as I possibly can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to reach, I'm going to stress and strain to, to reach as much as I can. So we forget the past and we reach toward what's ahead. Because what's ahead is where we look like Jesus Christ, where we have been fully conformed to his image, because that day will come for children of God. And oh, what a wonderful day it'll be. So forgetting the past, reaching to what is ahead. So personalization 1B at the bottom of page 58. So bottom of page 57 was 1A. Bottom of page 58 is 1B. Get to work stretching. Get to work straining. Get to work reaching, whatever word you want to use. They're all really, really good words here. Uh, again, as a response. We're not saved by our work. We're not saved by our forgetting. We're not saved by our reaching forward. We're saved by what Christ has done for us. And we have a responsibility to do something as a result of that. So forgetting what's in the past, reaching forward to what is ahead. Now verse 14, I pursue as my goal. It's a singular goal. 
right? He didn't say, I have lots of goals. No, no, no. I have one goal. The goal here is singular. I pursue as my goal. So application number two at the bottom of page 58 is there is a goal. There's a goal. We should recognize that. So the personalization, what do we do with it? Pursue it. Absolutely. This is the same word to pursue, to persecute, that we used earlier in chapter 3, verse 12. So this, how aggressively are you going to go after this? You're going to go after it so aggressively that it looks like persecution. Okay, so let's really, we're, we're going to ramp up the pursuit here. So I pursue as my goal the prize. This word only shows up two times in the New Testament. The first time is in 1 Corinthians uh, 9.24. So 1 Corinthians 9.24, uh, most of you are probably familiar with this text. Uh, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, and he says, Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. So there is an award given to the winner. And what is Paul saying here? He says, I pursue. I, I pursue it so hard it looks like persecution is my goal, the prize. You're like the prize, what's the prize? Great question. Now, in many of our English translations, this words, uh, the words promised by are added, and those are not present in the Greek text, the original Greek text. Uh, they're added here. I, I don't personally find them helpful. Uh, Philippians 3.14 is actually one of the very few verses in the Christian Standard Bible that I, I, just, I really would have gone a, a different way with this. But they, again, they didn't ask me. I'm good with that. Uh, so I pursue, I'm just going back and start at the beginning of 14. I pursue as my goal, uh, to or into the prize. Another way to translate this would be of God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So, uh, what about this God's heavenly or upward call? Upward's a really good word to use here. It's actually in the footnote in the CSB. Uh, and then this word call has four different definitions that are listed in your handout on page 59 at the bottom. Uh, so the word call can mean uh, a calling. Great, that's fine. I think that fits. Uh, specifically or specially, a divine calling. Okay, that fits better. The third, you can talk about this figuratively as an invitation. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that that fits the context very well. And then the fourth, by extension, a name. Now, now we're, we're pretty remote. So in my notes, I have a question mark above calling, a check mark like a positive above a divine calling, a question mark above invitation, and then an X above name. Um, I believe the right way to interpret this particular word is a divine calling. So let me render the whole verse here. Um, uh, now, I pursue as my goal into the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. So what do you, what do you take away from that, Jim? All right, so the application at the bottom of page 59, the divine call is the goal. The divine call is the goal. If you think about Paul's life himself, did he have a divine calling? Well, yeah, we, like we, we read about it just a minute ago in Acts chapter 9, right? On the Damascus Road, where Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? He had a divine calling. So he is pursuing not the past calling, but the implication of this call, which is a sanctified life resulting in glorification with the Trinity at the end of all things. You're like, whoa, that's a lot. Yes, it's a lot. So the divine call is the goal. 
Because if we're his, you know, we'll look like our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's work to be done. So our personalization here is pursue the call of God. Pursue the call of God. And my friend John Pike would put it this way. Uh, all of history is centered around hearing God's word and doing what he commands. And if we are pursuing the call of God in our lives, what we will do is we will adhere to the words that he has said to us about what to do now that we have been chosen by God and justified by Christ. Um, we should follow his word, right? This is really, really basic, straightforward stuff. So we should follow his word. All right, so we've got, uh, I pursue as my goal uh, into the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to land the plane with Jesus here. I love landing the plane with Jesus. I love this, this text. It's, it's beautifully arranged. Uh, the application here from bottom of page 60, uh, the call is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. The call is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. The call is not found in Paul. The call is not found in your favorite teacher. It's called certainly not found in me. The call is not found in you. This call is rooted in, it is grounded in, it is from our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are pursuing a calling from anybody or anything else, that is misalignment with God's purpose for you. Because God's purpose for you is to be conformed to the image of his son. And that means adequately hearing and responding to God's call. You know, a big chunk of the gospels are just watching Jesus respond to God's will for his life. And if that makes your head hurt, welcome to theology. <laughs> big, beautiful truths about a big, beautiful savior. All right, so the call is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the application. So what do we do with that? Rejoice. You and I do not have to carry the burden or the weight of the calling of anybody else. We don't have to carry the burden or the weight of a calling of our own. It's all Christ to bear. He is submitting perfectly to the Father's will. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing, and it's a beautiful place to stop for today. So I'm sure there were a couple of things that I talked about this morning in the live Sunday school class that I didn't cover here. I didn't write those down. So for those of you that were here this morning, uh, feel free to comment on this video. And if you have any prayer requests you'd love for us to pray for, we would love to engage and pray with you in those. So just put those in the comments and we'll, uh, we'll love to engage. All right, guys. So that's it for today. Uh, what I would love for you to do is to be ready for next week. Lord willing, we'll start with Philippians 3.15. And the first phrase there is, Therefore, let all of us who are mature... Mature. Yes, we're going to talk about maturity next week. So with that, thanks for coming. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.